As many small businesses struggled, money meant to save them went to luxury goods. According to federal complaints, that includes a Minnesota man who took money for manufacturing payroll and went golfing, a New Jersey attorney who got $9 million for fake businesses and remodeled his home, an Atlanta reality star who spent $2 million on a Rolls Royce and a Rolex watch, and a former NFL player who allegedly joined a scheme to get $24 million in federal funds. They all deny the government's charges. The Justice Department so far has charged more than 50 defendants for attempting to steal over $175 million from the Paycheck Protection Program. Did you know you really credit card scams? Boy, don't be worried about the scam. You ain't going on. I like the way you talk. Ooh, baby, I like the fraud. Yeah, baby, I like the fraud. Ooh, baby, I like the fraud. Yeah, baby, I like the fraud. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yam, shimmy, yay. Gave me PPP loans and took it away. Off on the natural cars, won't buy ours. But here come them boys with their federal charge. Now, take that down, pass it all around. People get hard, quick cement to the ground. For every fraudster and any 52 stakes, we get psycho. Charger like Norman Bates, my producer slam. My flow is like, bam, jump off stage, I'm in jail again. Welcome, everybody, to the Brothers-in-Law Podcast. As always, I am your boy, Jesse McCoy, and I am joined by the world's leading legal humorist, Sean Carter. How are you doing? I'm doing about as well as Brian Flores. Uh, underemployed, <laughs> underutilized, <laughs> but, but, but happy to have some. Okay, okay. Well, while you're talking about that, let's get into that because the NFL made some very interesting moves in deciding who's going to represent their interest in this Brian Flores case, uh, <laughs> most notably getting the former uh, attorney general of the United States, Loretta Lynch, a sister from Durham, North Carolina. <laughs> oh, Jesse, why didn't you talk to the sister? Jesse? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I've been going to virtual church. I missed her. <laughs> take a step back. <laughs> you ain't know you ain't been to church. Take take a step back and remind the people because people might not listen to everything we do. Brian Flores, we talked about a lot last week or last episode. He's the my, former Miami Dolphins coach who sued three teams in the NFL for racial disparities and discrimination and, and coaching uh, and hiring African American coaches. It looked like he'd be blackballed from the league. You know, he'd be capped. And somehow he ended up getting a job just two or a couple of days ago with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And and it looks like, on the face of it at least, it's not a head coaching position. It's not a coordinator <laughs> position. It's a positions coach. Um, so it kind of feels like a demotion. Oh, you think that? Same, yeah. He, it kind of feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> he basically went from being a general to, like, you know, private first class, maybe corporal. Right. Right. Yeah, but, but the head coach is black. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that's interesting is not only the head coach is black. Remember, it was, you know, up until a couple weeks ago, the last remaining head coach, a uh, black head coach in the league, also from the organization that started the Rooney Rule, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Like the only, you know, team that has some stripe, you know, has some claim to being not totally racist, went ahead and hired the brother. Absolutely. But he didn't give him a coordinator job. Right, because normally if you're you know head coach, you get demoted one rung to coordinator. He got demoted right. sort of two rungs. Yeah. But you know, some of us thought he wouldn't ever coach in the league again. So that's gonna go on. Now, Loretta Lynch, what you feel about your girl, Durham girl, um, <laughs> representing the man, literally? Uh, I'm I'm torn. Um, and I'm torn because if the NFL is gonna give anybody, I'm I'm sure this is at least Six million dollars in attorney's fees. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so if anybody's gonna give six million dollars, I wanted to be one of us. Right. But I also don't want it to be one of us in this particular context. Uh, and this is particularly coming off the heels of the fact that she was just defending McDonald's uh, against the uh, black-owned franchisees that were suing McDonald's for <laughs> ra- their own racism. <laughs> Um, so it just now feels like it's a pattern of just stomping on black people who are trying to fight for rights. Exactly. Her job was just you know, supposed to be the opposite. Exactly. Exactly. And the thing that's bizarre is, and it's weird how this world works out. So remember, she's representing the forces of 
right, white supremacy, status quo, the brother hired a group of white lawyers to represent, you know, Team Black. <laughs> right. And, and, and I pointed out, and people had the same kind of reaction, like, look, it's strategic, right? They got to try to find somebody the jury could relate to, et cetera. But I'm like, damn, that's the same argument that the, the, the owners would use or anybody else. You know, our fans need somebody they can relate to. It's like you can't just keep perpetuating white supremacy and then saying, well, I did it for strategic reasons next time, mm-hmm. you know, so, so we can get a black person next time. Not this time, right, right. but next time. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and I can't help but think that the owners are just sitting around somewhere laughing about this because, oh. um, you know, one, the NFL wasn't hurt. I don't know if you all know, but the Super Bowl was very highly watched. And um, Dre and Snoop had a great time, a great, a great, great audience for halftime. So it's not like people are tuning out. Um, you know, and then I guess if Dre and Snoop were there, that somehow is attributable to Jay-Z and his new management position, which has put the NFL in a position where even though they're giving, I think it was $250 million in, um, in prod, in money to, for projects on social change, that's only 1% of the NFL's revenue. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, so yeah, if you're it, listening it, to Colin Kaepernick, it, it's not going to, you're, you're not going to be coming back anytime soon, unfortunately. No, it definitely seems like, you know, there's a lot of half measures that somehow get full cooperation, mm. right? Or full credits. Like, yeah, we'll give you 1%. And now, you know, other people will be like, oh, well, that's good. Right. We're good with that. <laughs> not really wrong. You know, I can be this high and mighty body because they weren't calling me. Right, <laughs> um, you know, they called me, like you said. You know, I would imagine that Loretta Lynch's hourly rate is at least a thousand bucks an hour, probably close to fifteen hundred or so. And it's you know, you willing to pay me fifteen hundred dollars an hour? Um, I, I, I'll sue my mama for fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, <laughs> you know, she know it too. She should be should be rooting me on too. Go ahead, sue me, baby. <laughs> So I, 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 I get it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like you. I'm torn. But it, it doesn't. Something about this whole thing feels backwards. Well, I mean, it, it just goes to the fact that we need to understand the NFL is a blood sport where uh, African American bodies are always going to be used, both on the field and off the field, <laughs> to ensure <laughs> that white supremacy reigns supreme in their league. They're I doing feel it. like you know <laughs> they're they're doing it. And I, it was very interesting because our audience may not know, but I actually reactivated our brothers-in-law Instagram page. And that was the right. first Instagram post that I put up. And we hadn't had an active page on there uh, probably since we started the show, since episode one. And yet, <laughs> literally less than 10 minutes after I put it up, there were, I think, 32 comments. <laughs> and everybody's torn. It's all people saying, well, let her get her money. I mean, it's better we have it in that community than, <laughs> than well, somebody right. else getting it. <laughs> you know, and um, I, I can kind of get it. Although it's weird, though, because, it, you know, when we talk, let's get into this, because, you know, we we're talking pre, pre-production about this. It's funny, you know, could you imagine Thurgood Marshall representing mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, how about this? The uh, Kansas Board of Education, mm. right? We wouldn't have said, well, you know, long as brother's getting their money, I guess it's okay. <laughs> and somehow we've I mean, gotten into, you know, a, a, a mindset now where we're just kind of like, hey, you know what, whatever you can do, you know, get yours. Um, and, and we're going to, you know, look the other way. And, you know, we understand, you know, no one can be pure and whatever. And I'm not sure that you know we're we're, we're getting there uh, anymore. It might be a different mindset. Maybe I'm maybe I'm old too old school about it. Oh yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. I think you know I tell my students all the time, like if people like Thurgood Marshall, or Martin Luther King decided, you know what, eh, it's easier to just side with <laughs> the Klan and you know like their rights, <laughs> the freedom. See, we we would not get anywhere. Somebody has to be willing to make that sacrifice. But I also think that we have at this point bought in wholeheartedly on capitalism. Because oh, even when I think about the, uh, the the black revolutionary leaders of the past, the Asada Shakurs, um, the, the main thing they were fighting outside of racism was capitalism, right? right? But if now we're going to, you know, dedicate ourselves to capitalism, 
then racism is pretty much you know accepted at that point because whoever pays your your tab uh in the way that you see fit is going to be the winner um and unfortunately we exist in a country where black people in mass don't have the control of the apparatus or the financial uh power of the apparatus to be able to do anything so i think for everybody you know who's who's just trying to get by and pay their bills on a day-to-day basis when you see an opportunity to get six, seven million dollars, you know, <laughs> with, with which essentially easy work for you, then you might be willing to do this. And I also think it goes to the point we said last episode about regular black people obviously tend not to care as much if a person in the NFL who already makes millions is complaining mm-hmm. about not being able to continue making millions. Um, so, so I think that's part of why we see such stratification amongst black people in responding to this story anyway. It's like, yeah, that, that, it's not that, like that. <laughs> that, that, that's 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 next important. That that really is. Um, I, I think that that, that that does a lot. Now that that's it. Let's get to the, the heart here. There is a lot of consternation, and, and rightfully so. Last week, the verdict came in in the Kim Potter case, and mm. she is the Minneapolis cop who shot and killed. Um, oh my God. I'm, Dante, what's his last name, right. Jesse? Right. right, thank you. Um, and as a result of a traffic stop because he had air fresheners hanging from the rearview mirror, so, you know, driving by black, all right? Basically, yeah. Now, Jesse, when this first came out, it was confusing because she says, I meant to go for my taser, but it turned out to be the gun. I shot him, killed him. Oh, no. Did you believe her that it was an accident? Uh, I'm gonna use a technical term here. Hell no! Like <laughs> so, I, I felt like you know, one every police officer that I have talked to about this subsequently is very keenly aware of the placement of their uh, stuff on their on their utility belt, so they right. know where the non-lethal things are. They know where the lethal things are, and they know kind of situationally what they're supposed to use in a given context. That's okay. not to say that if the person's black, all that stuff doesn't go out the window. That's right. not to say that generally they've been trained on how this works. So I think what is frustrating is because even on the video, she's yelling taser, 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 but she's she's already grabbing and reaching. And like, you can't tell the difference between a taser and a gun. Like, guns are heavy. So well, you can't tell well, the difference. Here is a great irony. According to testimony in the trial, in 26 years on the force, she had never deployed her taser. Mm. So once a year they go in for their training, whatever, and then for the rest of the year, she didn't she she wasn't tasing people, which by the way is amazing because this is exactly what I've always wanted out of a cop. Right? Someone who doesn't pull their gun. She had never pulled her gun and never fired a gun either. All right. And mm-hmm. never so she was the kind of person who was doing the thing that you know you and I would say you want the cops to do, de-escalation. I'm talking my way out of it. I don't know why on this Sunday would this light skinned brother look like he you know had a back a backpack full of you, right? Why <laughs> she thought he was the one that would make her make a twenty six year exception, right? I don't even get that. But then she decides she's going to pull out the taser for the first time. So I have to believe that I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Not I don't want to give her benefit of the doubt, but I am because also her reaction afterwards. If you actually meant to shoot the dude, the worst thing you could say was, oops, accident. Okay. If you meant to shoot him, you'd say, he had a gun. He was going to run over us. I had a reason to shoot him. But you don't go, oh, my God, I'm going to jail. I screwed up. Because mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. Right? <laughs> well, you know, and I, I also think, you know, it's about context, too, right? So maybe for all those years, she never used uh, her side piece. But at the same time. This night, the group, the cadre of police officers right. with her were determined that they were going to harass a black dude. Right. <laughs> and she wanted to show out for the, for the fam. She was not No, no, that's entirely possible, right? You get into the wrong group, whatever it is, she's got to you know, show her stripes. Maybe early in the week they had teased her. She never shot nobody, right? You know, we, we shouldn't be right. <laughs> in Minneapolis. And, you know, and so, you know, you're absolutely right. Now, so she ends up getting convicted of, you know, manslaughter, first and second degree, but but basically charged with reckless, right? Killing, taking a life recklessly. Mm-hmm. 
the the guidelines for someone with you know no prior record, et cetera, the sentence would be somewhere between what six and eight years, right? And so the judge sits down for sentencing. I believe it was last Friday, and we actually have it here. We're going to go through and go through and critique, basically, you know, um, we'll be word for it, you know, point by point, her points. And so let's get right into what Judge Chu, I believe. Uh, name is Judge Chu, um, how her reasoning goes. Let's start with the first, her first clip. This has been an extremely difficult decision. In making my decision, I look to the purposes of incarceration. There are four. Retribution, incapacitation, deterrence, and rehabilitation. Three of the four would not be served in this case. Incapacitation refers to the physical removal of a convicted person to prevent them from committing future crimes. That is not an issue in this case. Kimberly Potter does not present a danger of future crimes, obviously. What do you think? I, I already don't like it. <laughs> I already don't like it. Um, so I, I feel like, first of all, when we're talking about reasons for incarceration and she talks about deterrence, all that, I feel like, if, if anything, this is the main thing that should be happening. Like, we don't want people who are going to accidentally be out here or quote unquote accidentally be out here killing people <laughs> with no with no reason or regard and just being able to get away with it on the slap of the wrist. I think that the the concept of it is punishment for the crime that needs to be fitting. And I think that the statute in and of itself set in a presumptive range of six to eight years already is designed to, to deal with the fact that this was, you know, we, it's a reckless manslaughter charge. So this, we know that it wasn't her intent or malice or anything right. like that. We know that. But at the same time, that's the point of the statute. When you do something <laughs> reckless and, <laughs> and, you, and you end up causing a death because of your actions, then well, I feel like that needs to be a fair sentence put towards that. Well, absolutely. And listen, you know, we'll, we'll take it point by point. So first she says, you know, these are four things. One is incapacity. She can't, she won't do this again. And I'm like, that is almost the case always. OJ ain't mm-hmm. gonna stab anybody else. Right, they will out the Bronco. Like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, most of the time, one one killing is pretty much enough for most of us, right? That idea that you wouldn't do it again, like, of course you wouldn't. Who would? Who's gonna kill two people? That's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's ridiculous. Her second thing, she says, okay, now let's talk about deterrence, and here's how she explains deterrence. Deterrence refers to the prevention of future crime and the idea that those who have committed crimes will be discouraged from reoffending after experiencing punishment. That purpose would not be served here. I, that's exactly the purpose. That's <laughs> what we want. <laughs> no, well, exactly. And here's where I think she, she's twisted it. Deterrence isn't necessarily to just deter the offender. It's mm-hmm. to deter everybody else. Everybody. Absolutely. Right? And that is the bigger point. Think, what have we been arguing about for all this time? It's not that one particular cop shooting. It's that they're all shooting us. Right? So yep. it's like, okay, maybe it won't deter her, but it could deter the next cop from pulling the taser out and just shooting somebody. Right. And she seems, you know, and I know the judge is, is too smart not to know that the purpose of deterrence isn't just will you do it again, but to prevent anybody else from, you know, from thinking about doing it again. And so now I'm starting to, I'm starting to guess, like, come on, that's first year law school. She, she's smarter than that. Right. We, 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 something's going on here. Then she goes to her third point. Rehabilitation is also not a purpose that would justify incarceration in this case. Ms. Potter does not require rehabilitation to become a law-abiding citizen. Yeah, that's a pretty strong judgment call for somebody who's before you on a manslaughter. (laughs) (laughs) She good. She good just the way she is. Yeah, she don't do a manslaughter. Here's the crazy part is, nope, everybody could argue that for prison. When has prison really rehabilitated anybody? 
nobody. That's not how we do prison, right? We don't do exactly. prison this way in America where we give people, you know, skills and training and, you know, help them. You know, you come out worse, right, almost all the time. So that would be a case to let everybody out. Like, we're not going to rehabilitate anybody in there. But somehow with mm-hmm. this person, we, we, we you know, we, we're, if, if it's not going to be rehabilitated, then maybe we should not send it there. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, the fourth point she talks about is retribution. And so she gets to that point. That's the fourth factor is why you should incarcerate somebody. Retribution or serving time as a way for a convicted person to pay for the harm inflicted on a victim is the sole purpose that applies in this case. And in this case, a young man was killed because Officer Potter was reckless, there rightfully should be some accountability. Okay, so at least we're not going to give her, you know, her own parade. (laughs) Yet. Yeah. (laughs) Good point. Yeah. You're spoiling it. Spoiler alert. Okay, so she says, okay, we can punish you. I guess maybe you were reckless here. So, okay, so now she has to go through and explain, okay, we think that she should get some jail time, but how much should it be? And now the judge, Judge Chu, is going to explain her reasoning as to why she is, she's going to depart from the, the um, suggested six to you know, eight years. Sentencing guidelines are just that. They are guidelines that inform a judge regarding sentencing for various crimes. They are not set in stone. The court has the discretion to depart from guidelines depending on the particular facts of a case. A downward durational departure is justified if a crime is less onerous than typical. Put another way, if the conduct is significantly less serious than that typically involved in the commission of the crime, sentencing below the guidelines is justified. I find the facts and circumstances here justify a downward departure from the guidelines. First, Officer Potter's conduct was significantly less serious than your typical manslaughter case. The misdemeanor predicate for the manslaughter count was reckless handling or use of a firearm. Here, everybody agrees, and the evidence is undisputed, that Officer Potter never intended to use her firearm. She mistakenly drew her firearm at all times, intending to use her taser. There were police officers and experts who testified that the use of her taser was reasonable and appropriate under the circumstances circumstances presented for officer safety reasons. The fact she never intended to draw her firearm makes this case less serious than other cases. So, Jesse, do you think that she was just mishandling a firearm? It wasn't like she was doing something dangerous, right? (laughs) What's that joke? There are some jobs that you can't say almost. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think one of my issues with, with this judge's ruling is that she's talking about the factors. And just so people know, when you're dealing with uh, criminal sentencing, your statute provides guidelines. These are not ironclad sentences that a judge is forced to impose, but it's supposed to give guidelines as to what a judge would normally do. So we would call what normal sentence it is, is the presumptive range, which is where, right. in this case, the six to eight years. If there are aggravating factors, then you can be put in a higher range, on the higher end of that band. Uh, if there's mitigating factors, you can be put at a lower range. And so it sounds like from the language that the judge is using, she's already gearing this up for mitigation. Um, on, on top of that, she's saying significantly less serious than typical. But I want to remind people that this 
incident <laughs> happened during the George Floyd situation. This is the same state in the same time, in the same place. And it's not like the George Floyd situation isn't all over the news right. when she makes this kind of mistake. So I don't know that just simply saying, oh, well, she didn't intend to or whatever. Like You should have been on the highest level of alert at this point. So in the same state. Such a good point. And, you know, it bothers me when she says, for instance, you know, this isn't the, the misdemeanor is, you know, mishandling a firearm. Because well, that's not really a serious one. That's about as serious as you get, particularly for, you know, for, for an accidental death. It's one thing mm-hmm. if she had been, say, flying a drone in her neighbor's yard and the drone, you know, struck somebody in the head on accident or hit a car, right, and caused an accident. Right. Where you say, I would just stop flying my drone. But if you're playing with a gun, you can expect that really bad things are going to happen if you are careless with it. So the idea right. that, you, you know, that, and then this, the other thing that bothered me the most was, and, you know, this is a determination she made, because certainly it wasn't the jury made it, that it was reasonable to, to shoot him with a taser. And my idea mm. is that, no, even if she had just pulled the taser, if he had had a heart attack, drove into a tree, hit some other pedestrian or whatever, she would have been responsible for that, too, because you don't need to tase people behind the wheel of a car. Where was that boy going that they couldn't have gotten him later? Exactly. Right. They got exactly. his ID. They know where he lives. They could have been at his house when he got there. Right. There's like there's no reason that you had to risk people's lives to stop him right there. He wasn't, you know, you weren't pursuing a felon. He wasn't, he wasn't kidnapping anybody. Right. He simply, you know, was a scared kid and you could have just gotten him later. And I think this is the problem the cops always have here. You shoot a taser, by definition, bad stuff could happen. I looked it up. 50,000 volts is going into somebody. I think if they were standing still, that'd be dangerous. But certainly if you're behind the wheel of a car, think about it. You're not supposed to be checking on your phone, right, when you're behind the wheel of a car. How are you supposed to just shrug off 50,000 volts and keep driving? Mm. And so I think she's created a dangerous situation regardless of whether she pulled the right weapon out. If you, you know, shoot somebody with either a taser or a gun while they're behind the wheel of a car, bad things are going to happen. You should be able to expect that bad things happen. This isn't some weird thing you were doing that just, you know, got out of hand, <laughs> right, where you didn't know this could possibly happen. This should have Absolutely. been a logical, ex- you know, expectation. And the fact that it wasn't, basically, you understand, had she shot, had the officer shot Dante with the taser and he died for a number of other reasons, she would be home today. Mm-hmm. And to Absolutely. me, it's like it's not that serious. We would say serious, right? You shouldn't die for not wanting to get arrested, right, <laughs> on a Sunday for having an air freshener in your car. Right, right. Well, I, I mean, I think that goes to that goes to what we've been complaining about the whole time. Like when you're black, you don't get to have a trial. You don't get right. a due process. You don't get to have your guilt or innocence established. She made a judgment call in that period of time, and the judge is willing to side with her judgment call. And uh, that's and, and right, right. And the only reason she's willing to do that is because we're talking about a young white man. That's that's it. They would never do young white people like this. Young white men. Like well, this. you you see now you're doing a spoiler alert because we're going to get to that. All right. So okay. that's her first mitigating factor is that she wasn't really out there doing anything dangerous. You and I disagree. Here's her second mitigating factor as to why we should have a downward departure and give uh, Potter less time. Second, the scene was chaotic, tense, and rapidly evolving. Officer Potter was required to make a split-second judgment. That constitutes a mitigating circumstance. Oh, my gosh. So... (laughs) This is just going to give cops license even more. Like before it was just, I was in fear of my life. Right. Now it's going to be, oh, this is a split second. <laughs> Things were moving so fast. The the guy was sitting in the car. Like, Thank like you. what is. What this is a woman with 26 years of experience. This couldn't have been the most <laughs> harrowing experience she's had in 26 years. Right. I wasn't scared. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Then here's the weird part is. Once again, she keeps making mitigating factors, part things that are part of this lesser charge. Remember, she didn't get first degree murder, right? right. It, it gets, all situations are split second decisions in manslaughter. 
if you took a long time to think about it, we have another term for that. That's called premeditated murder. Mm -hmm. So so if if I get in a fight with with Pookie, we're talking about Jawan Howard. That's a split-second situation. (laughs) It always is. If you had a lot of time to think about it, that's premeditated. We have a different crime for that. All these situations are going to be last-minute situations that things go bad at the last second. That's literally the definition of the crime. So to make that a mitigating factor is ridiculous. It's part we 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 did that when we didn't give you thirty years. Exactly, exactly. Uh, all right. So here's our last mitigating factor. Unlike other manslaughter one cases, Officer Potter's actions were not driven by personal animosity toward Dante Wright. Instead, she was acting in the line of duty and effectuating a lawful arrest. Oh my gosh. So because go ahead. Well, no, I was just gonna say, you know, not driven by animosity. We we get into this point where we have to kind of understand what officers' viewpoints are of, of black people and that that's not gonna be accepted as a principle in any courtroom, apparently, unless you got them on record saying that it worked. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't know that we can clearly say that it's not an animosity because the judge isn't in her head to know what was going on at the time. Absolutely. She's making an inference based on the evidence that was presented, but we also are discrediting the fact that there is a dead child there who, who is not able to say, but I, you know, I didn't do anything or I, I didn't do anything that warranted de- the use of deadly force against me. Absolutely. So it just minimizes all of his positions. And once again, malice is required for murder charges. This is manslaughter. If I drive a car drunk and kill someone, vehicular manslaughter, I didn't hate Mm -hmm. the other person in the other car. I didn't know the other person in the other car. But it doesn't mean, oh, I get now a lesser sentence because I didn't hate them. I did. It, we, that's why we give you manslaughter, which is a lesser. <laughs> you know, she basically is taking all the right. elements of manslaughter and making them mitigating circumstances. So she right. can give even less time. When we, that's the whole reason we have the crime, right? Do, you know, the separate crime, and so you can get less time. These aren't mitigating factors would make it any better. It wasn't like it'd be one thing if she said she was trying to save his life. She was doing CPR on him and she cracked his ribs and absolutely killed him. That's a situation where I go, okay, I'm going to give you less time because you actually were trying to do good. At the very least, she was trying to shock him with 50,000 volts of electricity. Mm -hmm. I mean, that may not be malice, but uh, you don't love my lot. Right. (laughs) Think about it. You got a a son. He get get a lot of line every once in a while. When's the last time you hit him with 50,000 volts? <laughs> you know, because he wasn't acting right. Nah, nah. <laughs> right? You went in him with four votes. It's, it's like it's ridiculous the idea that somehow she had to know him, know his mama, want to hate him, versus she did something that was harmful to him on purpose. Now, she didn't mean to shoot him, she meant to tase him. But, you know, to me, I, I use the example as if, you know, you get in a fight with someone and you punch them and they fall down and hit their head. That's a perfect example of what we do manslaughter here. You had malice when you punched them. You didn't mean to kill them, but right. you meant to punch them, and therefore we give you manslaughter versus murder, but we don't make it a mitigating circumstance because you didn't mean to kill them. That's part of the deal. Exactly. Right? And so here it's like you meant to do something to them, tase them, but because you, you know, <laughs> you, 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 you're not good at tasing, you shot him. So, you know, we, we, it wasn't malice. Okay. Then the last thing she talks about here is she gives the last sort of excuse or mitigating circumstance, and she distinguishes this between um, Potter and the other cases that we're concerned about. So here's how she explains this one. Okay. This case is highly unusual. The other officer cases tried in this court are distinguishable. This is not a cop found guilty of murder for using his knee to pin down a person for nine and a half minutes as he gasped for air. This is not a cop found guilty of manslaughter for intentionally drawing his firearm and shooting across his partner and killing an unarmed woman who approached his squad. This is a cop 
who made a tragic mistake. She drew her firearm, thinking it was a taser, and ended up killing a young man. All right, Jesse. Are you are you convinced that this is so so much different than both the David Derek Chauvin case with uh, George Floyd, or also the case in which uh, Mohammed Noor, the uh, Somalian cop, killed the white woman for Australia? I think this is more synonymous with that. I, I think <laughs> like the, the Mohammed the Mohammed Noor case has always been interesting to me because. He was responding to a domestic violence call. He approached to a house that was allegedly pitch black and this lady ran up on him in the dark. Like I, I, <laughs> I could understand in a situation like that, why a cop might be jumpy. Right? <laughs> yeah. This is a kid sitting in a car. Like it's not the same. Um, and I think, you know, it's really disingenuous for the judge to use all of these examples of like black trauma and things that have you know really been polarizing for the nation and black people especially, but then come back and try to make this one somehow seem like it's different because we all know the excuses that cops who kill black people give. We all know it's the same thing. I was scared uh, <laughs> in the moment. You know, <laughs> so much was happening. Absolutely. Now, here's the weird part: is the brother, you know, Muhammad Noor. Do you know what his sentence was? Wasn't it ten years? I think it was a ten years. Twelve and a half. Twelve and a half. Now he did appeal, and on appeal, they dropped it down uh, to fifty-seven months, just uh, last October. And um, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, they actually got so they what they did was they took away they gave him a, they convicted him of murder they took away his murder conviction and gave him um, um instead manslaughter he's got like two more years I think he's actually out because of COVID or whatever but he's gonna end up doing five years versus twelve years versus the the what we're gonna see in a minute what this woman gets which is less than five years but it's weird how. I see, like you said, such parallels between those two cases, the case of the black cop who shoots the the unarmed white woman and the white cop who shoots the unarmed black guy. But there was nobody arguing all of those factors in his case, right? Absolutely. And here's the thing she got. I love it. She says, well, he shot across his partner. In other words, what made it bad was that he could have hit is a cop, a cop with his gun with his, with, his, with his shooting. By the way, guess who else shot across people? Um, Potter. There were other cops in that scene. She mm. never clear shot. That's why she's yelling "taser, taser" because she knows other people in the line of fire. She could have shot somebody else. So it's yeah. not even like they're that different of situations. But I love how the thing that made it aggravating in her mind was not the killing. Right. But what made it aggravating in her mind for the black cop shooting an Australian woman is that he could have hit another cop. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> that is what that yep. shot against across his partner. Right. He could, you know, and I'm like, really? That's how much. And let's just be clear. Judge Chu here, um, she enjoys her some cop. Yes, I'm not going to call her a cop sucker, but um, um, I'm going to say that um, she, 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 she would definitely um, do a little final uh, uh, of the cop. I'm going to say that. Um, <laughs> She, she, she's no stranger to the taste. I'm just gonna say that. I'm gonna put it that way. Okay. <laughs> Pray for me. Oh, it, it's absolutely yeah. amazing to me that she made that distinction. Now let's be clear, because one of the things we talk about the sentencing guidelines, we did see an upward departure in the Chauvin case. He got like twice as much time as would have been normally within the guidelines. So. Yeah. You know, there are times in which judges, and I really applauded that judge. People didn't think 25 years or whatever was enough, but he at least went up. The fact that she's going the other way, like I said, after Floyd. So think about it. After Floyd, after we had this whole conversation, she's going the other way. When it seems to me that cops in Minneapolis should be unnoticed, if you kill people, you know, we're going to take this seriously, but she's going the other way. Yep. Yep. Now, let's get to, we've got a couple more uh, clips here. Here she's going to um, give the actual sentence. Ms. Potter, will you please rise? 
Given all these considerations and having carefully considered the comments of the family and of both Dante Wright and the comments of Kimberly Potter, as well as the arguments of counsel. It is the sentence and judgment of this court that you shall be committed to the custody of the Commissioner of Corrections for a period of 24 months. You shall serve two-thirds of that time or 16 months in prison and a third on supervised release assuming no disciplinary disciplinary offenses or conditional release violations. You have credit for 58 days already served. Restitution will be reserved. There'll be a fine of $1,000 and a surcharge of $78 to be taken out of prison wages or do within 180 days. You must provide a DNA sample. You may not use or possess any firearms, ammunition, or All right, we're just gonna stop there because I'm, I'm too disgusted. Mm-hmm. Two years, but she only has to spend 16 months in jail, well, 14 months more because she's been in for two months, and she gets eight um, months of house uh, confinement. Uh, guess who else got eight months of house confinement? Who was that? Uh, all of us. Uh, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm going to <laughs> This is a pandemic. We're all on house arrest. What the hell is she talking about? That's true. That's true. Right? That's true. Uh, you know, I, I ain't seen you in the Bahamas recently, bro. No, no, no. I'm going to get that up. Every they year, you're white sands and just enjoying yourself. <laughs> pink sands, I saw you one picture of pink sands. You're just enjoying yourself on the beach. <laughs> Anybody go nowhere? <laughs> yeah. She basically got six, 14 months more, so 16 months total in jail. For, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's not forget the important part. She uh, $1,000. Uh, fine and $78. Um, and because you know she, it's inconvenient for to kill a black man. You go cost people some money. It's inconvenient to really deal with that. So <laughs> you got to pay another thousand dollars. I don't know about you, but uh, seventy eight dollars for for the administrative. I paid forty dollars for I have breakfast this morning. All right, so um, <laughs> I, I, they owe me a, at least a half a kill, at least one person killed. Right? What is well, this? I, I was I was concerned about her saying that she was reserving. Um, like restitution, right? Because certainly, like you, you owe something to that family. You just, <laughs> you just killed their child, right? Um, but I don't know if it's reserved, maybe because there's a civil suit also pending. I, I have no idea. I don't know if you might know something about that. No, no. Usually, you know, the kind of thing. It, it's funny because you know, like, so you usually have wrongful death, it's whatever. You know, I, I, I actually went and found a, you know, um, some you know expert or whatever talked about this issue. And so it's not that unusual, only in the sense that, you know, I think the maximum they could have given was like 25000 or 30000 $30,000, mm-hmm. which it seems to me, though, that you should have to come up with a $30,000. Um, you know, and, and if you don't, you know, normally if you're not rich, you know, they don't make you pay it, but they, 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 they could find the money. Obviously, there's going to be a lawsuit, right, against her personally, but she'll mm-hmm. file bankruptcy, whatever, not have anything. So if the court had awarded something, at least Dante's parents would have something now. Right. Now they get nothing. They have to go to court. You know, she'll hire a lawyer, whatever. Um, and the lawyers will eat it all up. So it's you know that 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 certainly wasn't wonderful. But the idea that you know it's just so cheap to kill. I, I got a couple grand even now. I can go ahead and you know like do it. Do I do I get a couple? You know what? What about if it if it not maybe a, a whole person? You know, you realize that if you taste somebody, if you shot somebody's dog, you don't want a thousand dollars. <laughs> right, right. You might be you looking might at the last year because that's kind of right. On the like, like, <laughs> <laughs> you probably would, right? Unless you're a cop and you can shoot the dogs all you want, right? But the idea <laughs> right. that, you know, this is the kind, that's how cheap black life is. $1,000 of administrative mm-hmm. cost, you know, we, we had to write this up. This is a pain in the butt. 
Yeah. And, and there are so many things about this case that stand out because I think one part of it, as we discussed earlier, is is the timing. But I also think this judge's ruling is consistent with what we've been seeing nationally with this full scale rollback. Like after George Floyd, everybody was Black Lives Matter and everybody was stamping it on their T-shirts and football fields and all this stuff, you know, and, and now there's a rollback. They're, they're like, all right, that was cool. After January 6th, they reestablished their control. And <laughs> now we're getting back to black lives not mattering as much. That's what it feels like. Oh, no, no, no. The, the, you know, and the, the worst part of, about this, like you said, is that it's a subtle, subtle rollback. And it's not even acknowledged. You know, listen to how she tries to sum this whole thing up. And it's almost like she basically thinks that her ruling is this is, you know, what o- Obama would do, right? This is, exactly. she references Obama specifically. Let's, let's hear this part. I'd like to make a few parting comments. I recognize there will be those who disagree with the sentence that I granted a significant downward departure does not in any way diminish Dante Wright's life. His life mattered. And to those who disagree and feel a longer prison sentence is appropriate, as difficult as it may be, please try to empathize with Ms. Potter's situation. As President Barack Obama once said, Learning to stand in somebody else's shoes, to see through their eyes, that's how peace begins. And it's up to you to make that happen. Empathy is a quality of character that can change the world. Officer, Kimberly Potter was trying to do the right thing. Of all the jobs in public service, police officers have the most difficult one. They must make snap decisions under tense, evolving, and ever-changing circumstances. They risk their lives every single day in public service. Officer Potter made a mistake that ended tragically. She never intended to hurt anyone. Her conduct cries out for a sentence significantly below the guide. Okay, thank you. Man, so <laughs> let me ask you this. When was the last time you heard a judge talking about empathy for the killer? Like, <laughs> and, 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 you know, Jesse and I watching this, you're just listening to it. Understand, she is crying snot-nosed tears. There is literally right. snot running out of her nose when she's when she's explaining all that. This is the most amazing thing in the world. Jesse, you've done criminal defense. Which of the judges broke down in tears when they sent your client to jail? None of them. If anything, they celebrated because they're getting ready to go play golf. So Thank you. <laughs> Usually, the thing is, you cursing somebody out. But this is what your ass get, right? Mm-hmm. She's sitting there crying. Yep. You can tell she didn't want to give her nothing, but she knew that they were burning the court down. She didn't give her nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's sad. You could tell that, you know, I mentioned before the cop sucking. Just, just I mean, it's the hardest job in the world. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand how they don't shoot everybody all the time. Right, right. Obama, yeah, everybody has a hard job. 
the rest of us don't shoot people all the time. You think it's easy to be an ER doctor, nurse, or you know, work with people in, in mental institutions, or you know, driving DoorDash, right? You got to deal with crazy fools. Right. You don't shoot nobody because they complain about their two piece, right? It's like the right. idea that you know it's such a hard job that every once in a while you're just going to tell you somebody and, and might pull a gun on them is absurd. And exactly. I cannot, I could not believe when I saw her crying. Snot nose. First of all, that's the first rule of Judge Club. Right? You don't cry. There's no crying in baseball or judging. Like, you don't cry when you send somebody to prison. Cried. Yeah, cried. I mean, one thing I think this judge has secured her reelection bid with the police union. (laughs) Uh, So so I think that's where I, I think. What's crazy, though, is she continuously is weaving this tapestry of using all the things that she knows are triggering for the black community. Right. Like She went through the whole like, you know, this happened to George Floyd, knee on the neck. And, you know, she talks about all these different cases. And then she comes back and she brings up Obama. Right. And and wants to use an Obama quote because she thinks it's going to resonate with us. But at the same time, you're going to allow the injustice to continue, or at least not not punish the injustice in the way that you know the community would want that injustice punished. And I always shudder to think what would have happened if the shoe was on the other foot, if Kim oh. Potter was the one who accidentally died oh. and Dante Wright was there. You know, no tears. He's getting, I don't think Minnesota get a death penalty. They would get one. All right, that him thinks, oh, I was hit with a taser, but I actually shot it with my gun, right? Right. They're on credit right. definitely. All right? It is absolutely ridiculous. The thing that, that really is the weird irony here is that when I first heard this story, picking when I heard Pollard's testimony, she had never pulled her gun, I was like, wow. And I felt, you know, bad about it because I'm like, wow, this is actually a cop that we wanted to have because guess what? Mm-hmm. If you're a regular cop, you never make that mistake because you're pulling your gun on people about seven times a, a day. All right, you know which one's the gun, which one's the taser. You don't taste three people on the way to the, to, to, you know, to, to te- give you testimony, right? You know it, and so it was like, you know, we here we're sort of, how do I say, we had someone who was doing it right, and then they, you know, messed it up. But that doesn't mean you you don't punish them because now the person out there doing it wrong has an incentive to say, hey, I need to be tasing people all the time. So that one, mm-hmm. I know when I'm, one, I'll never make the mistake because I've got muscle memory. I know how to tase. Right? Mm-hmm. I know my gun. I pull my gun out three times a week just to make sure I know which one is which. Right? It's like, you know, you know now they've given people an incentive, cops incentive, to make sure that they go after them. And remember, she just told them, tase all you want. Tase everybody. Old women, whatever. That's never going to be a problem. Just make sure you get yeah. your tase game on tight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Minneapolis, you know, like you said, that's the thing that's even most infuriating. You know, how the heck do you keep doing this time and time again? And since then, they broke in and and and, and killed another brother sleeping on his couch in a no knock raid. I mean, remember, we get his name out, Amir Locke, I believe. Amir Locke was killed um, sometime February fifth. Um, or, or at least early, early this month, sorry, February 2nd, when the SWAT comes in in the middle of the night, uh, you, you know, just busting the door, and he happened to be sleeping with a gun for protection, because apparently he needed mm-hmm. it, and the cops shoot him dead, because how dare you be laying down in your own living room. <laughs> right, right. Minneapolis. And, they, and this is supposed to be, you know, these are like liberal places. These aren't places <laughs> where we would normally think. It's not Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you know. <laughs> these people are supposed to be progressive. Um, and what's so, more, I'm telling you, right? Friends like this, you definitely don't need. Yeah, these, <laughs> and here's the I just don't get it because it's like you had these, you know, for for a month, like, a couple years ago, later a couple years ago, you know, a little over a year ago, you were, you know, the most notorious place on earth. They were, you started, you know, the demonstrations everywhere. We burned out a couple of your targets, a couple of police stations, and you're doing the same thing again. I mean, you didn't even like wait. You know, like when you were a kid nope. and you messed up, you know, you would at least wait till your parents left the room again before you acted a fool. Right. They're acting a fool while we're there. Yep. 
And, and that that is oppression. <laughs> That's how oppression works. People are not going to change the apparatus uh, that empower certain people to do the things they need to do. So now the question is, what what are we prepared to do about it? Um, and and I guess what really is is telling in this, uh, I had a chance to see um, Dante Wright's mom in her press conference after this, and she was talking about how you know white women's tears were able to trump the justice system. And keep in mind, um, Dante Wright's mom is white, so she was like, yeah. you know, even my white tears weren't good enough to save my black son, right? So, oh no, no. She was inward lover. She she lost her white some of that white privilege. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, this these are the things that concern me because I know we we've been doing this show for a while, even with the hiatus. We've been doing this show, and it seems like even on episode sixty four of this show, we're still <laughs> going back to the same stuff that we were talking about on episode one. And you know, I was hopeful that all this progress was going to come after the awakening and Black Lives Matter and everything, but. It just seems like, you know, with, with Trump's resistance, January 6th, um, these court case rulings, with the exception of the judge in the Ahmaud Arbery case, uh, well, actually the Ahmaud Arbery murderers cases, right. uh, who was in Georgia of all places, small town Georgia, everybody else is tripping. <laughs> I don't know what was the purpose or what was the point or what is the objective for all the stuff that happened and all the white people who were crying and all the comp- companies that was selling merchandise with Black Lives Matter. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what, what the point of any of that was if all we're going to do is turn around and allow this to just happen again because that's what we're entrenched to, um, I guess, how, how the court system is entrenched to operate. And it's point. a weird thing because it is, it, you know, you only get that result when it's cops. So, for instance, mm-hmm. you, know, you mentioned... You know, if you're even a white civilian and you shoot you know, a, a black man like Ahmaud Arbery, you get the time. There was a, a white guy years ago, I think it was also in Georgia, who shot uh, at, into a car with four brothers at a gas station. And he ended up yeah, getting yeah, yeah. Um, years. I remember that. I think that was Florida, actually. Yeah, it was a guy who shot the sister of Renisha, I want to say, um, you know, in the head on, on his doorstep. She was, had a car accident, ran to his doorstep, he shot her. He went to jail for mm-hmm. 30 years. Like, if you're not a cop, you can get some time, but but if you're a cop, they will find any excuse. And the weirdest thing about it is, these are the same people who were hitting cops in the head on January 6th. Yep, same people Absolutely. who you know were didn't want um, the Solomon the Bundy thing in in um, with Obama when Obama was president. These people, Ruby Ridge people, right? The people who will fight off the FBI and the ATF. Yep. But love them some local cops and will allow them, as long as they're brutalizing black people, to do anything and just find a way to overlook it. This, you know, this judge took a reduced sentence, a reduced crime, right, a lesser crime of manslaughter, and then used every element of manslaughter as a mitigating factor to further reduce, right? She got double credit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and by the way, this, well, let's be clear, we, we, we may not have mentioned this, you and I saw it clearly, this is a judge of color. Yes. She was not Polish. Yes. I'm trying to look her up now, see what they say about her on Ballopedia. <laughs> um, and, you know, and don't get me wrong, you know, anybody, you know, any group could have been, you know, potentially any judge, because I think this goes beyond color in the sense that there is something about the judicial system. You know, one of the problems we've had in the past in saying we need to have citizen review boards and someone other than the police to judge the police because they're obviously biased. It turns out we need other judges than judges to judge the police. Mm. Somehow judges also are biased. There's no way she would get any of this stuff about a civilian who had you know, pulled out a taser on someone and then accidentally shot him with a gun. And in case people are wondering, so in, um, what is this state? It's Minneapolis, Minnesota. In Minnesota, judges run in nonpartisan elections. Mm-hmm. So you won't have like a party to necessarily blame. But she is uh, a judge who was appointed to this position by former Governor Jesse the Body Ventura, <laughs> uh, July 22nd, 2002. So this isn't a new judge. 
somebody who made a mistake. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is somebody who is experienced. Thank you. Or somebody who you know isn't about that life. Right. You can bet in the last 20 years, she has put a lot of people away and never once had snot out her nose. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, it, I can understand because I can tell you, I'm not a big fan of prison either. I might, you know, get a little verklempt, you know, the first time I had to put somebody away. Um, but and by the way, she was crying, you know, literally, like I said, snot for 16 months. Mm. She wasn't like, oh, I got to send you away for 30 years. I don't want to. You know, that's the kind of thing I would expect of a judge who had a mandatory minimum, right, for somebody who got caught the third time, you know, stealing, you know, food from Walmart or something and they had the, you know, three strikes you out. That's the kind of right. reaction I would expect there. Not for, oh, you killed somebody. I got to give you 16 months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You are absolutely right, man. And and I I just don't I don't know that you can change that because I feel like even if the people of Minnesota came out and decided that they were going in a different direction in the next election cycle, right? Right. Even if they did that, who do you replace her with? Are you gonna replace her with somebody? Are they gonna be pro black and actually value? I, I guess what hurts me the most in these cases every time we see it is we never get to hear the voice of the victim because they've already had a a officer decide their fate for them Absolutely. without any of the due process stuff that's supposed to be protected in our constitution. So obviously the constitutional provisions can't relate to all of us universally. Um, and the fact that this is being continuously supported by judges who are in these positions to, to preside over these cases and who don't do the right thing or, you know, even with this, like, like you said, the, the mitigation has already been accounted for in the lesser <laughs> sentencing. There you go. So man. to mitigate that even further um, is, is a disgrace. And it doesn't really do justice to the true victim in the situation who was uh, Dante Wright. Uh, absolutely. They've given her, and here's the thing about it is, if they had given her six, seven years, a lot of people would have been upset and be like, oh my God, I would have been fine with it. I would thought it was right. reasonable. It was you know, within the guidelines. It's basically, here's the important thing about it is, it seems to me, if you are going to depart from the standards in mm -hmm. the world we live in in, 20, in 2022, after we've seen all the videos and had the Black Lives Matter and changed the, the syrup and ketchup bottles, right, and get, got rid of Uncle Ben and all that, it seems like right. to me that you would either say, I'm just going to stick with the guidelines or I'm going to enhance them. Because that's the world we live in now. We got to make sure we, you know, fight this versus mm -hmm. I'm going to go right back to where we were before, right? And, you know, and, and try to make it less for them. It, it's just backwards. It, you know what I mean? It's, it's like when you have, you know, a, a no, was it, you know, zero tolerance policy. This is mm -hmm. all the tolerance policy. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of times you do just the opposite. If you had a school and you had a problem with bullying, you might be a little draconian with the first few extra bullies you catch, right? To make sure we're going to set an example here. This is a right. town that's got a problem. You know, we can go on and on and on. We didn't even mention Philando Castile, right? right? Where we're constantly seeing cops shooting, you know, unarmed black people or breaking in their homes and shooting them. And then the fact that you would then find all these mitigating circumstances. And the thing that's kind of strange or disturbing is, this is a judge that wasn't appointed by a right-wing conservative right person. Jesse, like, so you think, oh, well, we get Democratic people and we'll get different judges. No, Democratic governor, right? Jesse was, you know, all out there, right? Independent, strange, and still we get the same, even if you got somebody as weird as Jesse with a feather boa, you still get the same judges every time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It's, so it's I don't know than the person I don't making know. a decision what the answer is that I can say online, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do know that whatever we're doing now is not the answer. Well, you know, this, this is the thing about, in my opinion, about, about racism generally. I think racism has a 400-year advantage here. So they've okay. already designed laws, statutes, uh, court systems, police forces, military forces, everything that needs to cocoon itself from any actual change. So yeah, you know, people who come along may be able to put a chink in the armor, 
but they're not changing the apparatus in and of itself because the apparatus at this point is self-functioning. So even with this, she you, you hear in her analysis, she thinks she's doing the right thing because she's applying the law as she sees it in the way that any judge um, would, would think they're doing, right? But sometimes the law in and of itself is baked in that same white supremacy and racist notions where it may not have ever been designed to function this way because they didn't, when they made these laws, they were making them for black people. They were not making these laws for police. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so when a police gets ensnared in the system, we have to change it up a little bit, right? Like we can't just give Absolutely. them the same justice system that we would give any other black person who comes in here because it wasn't designed for them, right? No, and I think not. that's the problem. That's why. That's why but it's so difficult for people to get changed. You're so right about that. But all it would require them to do is just do what they do always. Right. It wouldn't even like you don't require new laws here. Just do what you would mm-hmm. done if this was, you know, Pookie or Ray Ray. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I love the fact that she even mentioned, you know, she heard from Potter and she heard from Dante's family. Normally, the purpose of that victim impact statement is to put a little oomph in it. Right. Make people know, oh, my God, this mm-hmm. is a person. And somehow she heard their cries, heard their pleas and, 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 and their pain. And it didn't register with her. Right. As much as Kim Potter's pain. Right. And remember, she's not white. That's the thing that's amazing to me. Right. Somehow it's still she's got it, too. Right. And we've talked about this before. We're going to talk about it in another episode because we got to get out of here. How oftentimes even people of color still are not immune from 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 some form of white supremacy where the feeling, you know, emotions, the circumstances of white people just matter more to everybody, even people of color sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's part of the programming. It's part of the brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, Absolutely. Well, you know, on this very uplifting note, we're going to try to next week give you, a, or next time, next episode, give you a, a much more uplifting. Maybe we'll talk about the circus. Maybe Harlem Globetrotters will come to town. Something a little more enlightening or a little, a little uh, uplifting. <laughs> Um, although I, 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 in knowing America, I doubt it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and also follow us on Facebook and now Instagram, uh, at brothers-in-law. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Also, if you are somebody who is looking to have a, a, a comment or question, please feel free to send the comment or question, send it as a message to us either on the Facebook page or the Instagram page, and we'd be happy to review that. Um, And likewise, if we have other uh, legal professionals who are interested in weighing in on some of these topics of the day, uh, reach out to us as well. Um, As always, we we try to present information to you guys that uh, you may have seen in a news article or in passing, but haven't really had a chance to break down. So we are hopeful that this will continue to uh, be maybe your primary source for legal analysis on, yeah. on this. And, uh, and and to that effect, if you are a corporation, including the NFL, if you are looking to make a, a sizable contribution of millions of dollars <laughs> to keep the program going, uh, definitely reach out to us for that as well. We'd be oh, man, how are you going to sound like that? We got prints. We're not taking the money in that. <laughs> We're not taking none of you. Keep all that money. Um, but but maybe, you know, we'll talk about it privately. On, uh, on, 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 on. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.